What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 77 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Payrillo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Core, week 12 is in the books. We hope everybody had a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Some good football on Thanksgiving, really, all throughout the day. We saw some game-winning drives. We saw a high-scoring game on the Thursday night football game. I really didn't think we were going to get that. Followed up with a pretty good day into Sunday. We saw some teams get a little risky that we'll definitely talk about going for two, and it paid off for them, as well as a crazy performance by Josh Jacobs and the Raiders in that overtime thriller in Seattle. Capped off on that Sunday night by the Eagles and the Packers, who, again, who would have expected all the points there? But it was a good week of football. We can't complain. I'm excited to finally get into it and recap it. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty exciting week. Some some tight finishes at the end. And, yeah, boom, that first game – I mean, that, that, that Vikings-Patriots game, I was literally telling my friend, I was like, yo, 42-and-a-half, the under is the lock of the year. And then I blink, and it's like – I forgot how many points they were at half. Like, they were already almost there. And I was like, this is just unbelievable. But, hey, you don't have to listen to my ranting. Um, Yeah, we can get into this start at Thanksgiving and, and get into the whole week. Yeah, listen, we were going to start with the first game on Thanksgiving, but we'll go right into that Vikings-Patriots game. We'll circle back after that. 33-26 was the final. The game had a little bit of everything. It had primetime Kirk actually shedding a narrative a little bit. He played real well in this game, almost 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, uh, interception, I believe he threw early in the game, maybe the first or second quarter, definitely in the first half. They returned a kick return, too, for a touchdown in this game. That was right after Hunter Henry caught his first touchdown. I think one of the takeaways from this game, if you ask me, is that the NFL and the catch rule is still a mess. The fact that – I don't know if you remember the play, but the Hunter Henry, I think it was third down when, like, he clearly catches the ball and he's reaching to the end zone. They originally called it a touchdown. The fact that they, like, go back into the booth and review it, like, I, I, I just think that's so crazy. It's, like, one of those similar plays to – I know people are going to say the Des Bryant one, but I don't know also if you remember, like, the Jesse James play with the Steelers oh, against the Patriots. It's, like – when if a guy catches it and then he reaches and the ball like it's still a catch like he's like the ball maybe moves a little bit because he reaches I I just don't understand how it's 2022 and like we still have this problem and it honestly did come back to hurt the Patriots because they had to settle for a field goal uh, to only go up by three points that lead ends up not holding for them that was the last points they scored in the game so yeah I'm curious if you saw the catch and stuff like that or just like in general about stuff like this. Yeah, I did. I thought I saw Hunter Henry catch it, and I thought it was a touchdown. I actually like left <clears throat> my room to like just go go do something, and I saw like someone text um, that it wasn't like I like it. Someone said it wasn't a touchdown. I was like, oh, he must be down. But they turns out like yeah, I couldn't believe it either. I mean, clearly caught the ball. He just tried reaching. I don't like the rule. Like even going back. Like, I kind of – I vaguely remember that Jesse James one. I think it was, like, at the very, very end of the game. Like, end of the fourth quarter, if I could remember, right? Um, mm-hmm. And even at Des Bryant, like, years ago. I know you, I know you don't like the, the Cowboys, but, like, I think that was definitely a catch, too, in my opinion. So, I don't really love the rule. I know they had one, like, what, earlier this year? Was it was it Kelsey? Someone had, like, a similar – Yes, yes, it was Kelsey, and that one did count. It was a two-point conversion. With the Colts, and I saw that going around Twitter, and they were—I was like, honestly, like that's one hundred percent right. That the fact that one of these counted and one of those didn't, like, mm-hmm. what's up with that? Yeah, you gotta. I think you gotta at least be consistent in the fact that, um, this is clearly a catch. Like, you guy has the ball in his hands; he's just reaching for the goal line. Should definitely be a catch. And the fact that they're not being consistent with that, I think you certainly gotta get 
that's straightened up because, I mean, it happens now. I mean, it happened to the Cowboys, like, in the playoffs. It, it could, like, hurt a team's season, and you definitely just got to get it figured out. I don't know, maybe in the offseason, like, literally legit make a rule. And I don't know. I think it should be a catch. I don't know how it's not. But uh, the game overall was honestly, yeah, pretty surprising game to me. I was not expecting Kirk Cousins to to ball out like that, on especially on prime time. I mean, Justin Jefferson making some incredible catches. And, yeah, I mean, Mac Jones actually played pretty well in this game. He um, Even against the Jets, like, last week, I mean, like, when they won that game 10-3, he played pretty well. I think they only put up 10 points, so it didn't look that well. But, I mean, Mac Jones, the last – like, the, first, the beginning of the season, he was playing really bad. But his, like, last two games, I think, yeah, he's definitely – been playing a little bit better. I still don't think Mac Jones is like a good quarterback, but the last two weeks he's looked a little better. And I thought this is a game that New England was going to win, but I mean, I, the 2022 Vikings are just absolutely revamping their, what's the word? Like what they're known for. Like usually they're known for losing close games and now they're just winning close games. I'm still not sold on this team. Like I don't care how many regular seasons that games they win, like playoff time comes. I'm really just not, fully sold on them but hey credit to them they got the win moved to nine and two good for them yeah i'm glad you kind of mentioned mac jones because i'll start with him first definitely his best game of the season there's been a lot of talk in new england on how oh with matt patricia calling the offense this year and how unorganized it was leading up into the season that like they're kind of stunting his growth a little bit this was finally a game but i was like all right like that's a good year two game for Mac Jones, finally 382 yards in the air, two touchdowns. And the biggest thing, if you ask me, is that their running game was, for the most part, non-existent all game, averaged three and a half yards a carry. And they only ran it 13 times as well. They threw the ball 75% of the time, which is absurd for the New England Patriots. On the flip side of things, I'm almost thinking the same thing with the Vikings. It's like Dalvin Cook really all year hasn't been great. Like, that, at least the Dalvin Cook standards, if you ask me, but like Kirk Cousins shouldered a lot of the load, large in part thanks to Justin Jefferson. Nine receptions, 139 yards is a touchdown. You say, Quinn, that the Vikings keep winning these one score games, and it's because possibly they have the top receiver in the league, and he does this week in and week out. I know you're a Justin Jefferson fantasy owner, so it takes a little biased here. Core, is there any receiver in the league you are taking? I mean, right now, I'm like, I think Devontae. I mean, I hate to say it, but like, I think I've got him off the top of, like, not number one anymore. I still definitely think he's top five, probably still top three. I'm going to say Justin Jefferson is first. I think Tyreek Hill is absolutely ridiculous. Stephon Diggs also. I'm going to take Justin Jefferson at one. But like Tyreek Hill, I think people just know him as, like, a speed guy. But, like, he's actually, like, a really good route runner, too. So... I just think Jefferson, very, like, silky smooth type route runner. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, the guy doesn't drop passes either. So, I think Justin Jefferson's first. I'd say Tyreek, two. Devontae, three. Diggs, four. Cup, I mean, it's hurt. That's my cup five. Like, that's my top five. I'll put Justin Jefferson at one. Did I, did I hear Jamar Chase out of that top five? Yeah, you did. I don't have him. In the, I mean, he hasn't been playing lately, so I think he's outside. Okay, my hey, hey, Corey's a what have you been doing for me recently type of guy. I understand. Yeah, listen, I'm not going to give you my top receiver and stuff like that, but what I will say enough is that Justin Jefferson is definitely high up there, definitely in 
a top three conversation, let's say. Let's pivot off this game and let's kind of talk about the other two Thanksgiving games. We'll start with the Bills edging out a win against the Lions 28-25. The Bills win back-to-back games in Ford Field, which that's the first time a team has done that since 2016. So what that means is that the Lions have not won consecutive home games in 2016 since 2016, which is absurd on back-to-back weeks. So maybe it's a little harder because you don't play back-to-back weeks at home that often. But nevertheless, still crazy. Josh Allen, big-time throw late in this game to Stephon Diggs on that last drive with probably about 20 seconds left to set up Tyler Bass for a game-winning field goal. Bass gets a little bit of redemption after he missed a point-after attempt earlier in this one. People will look at the Lions throwing the ball on third and one with about 30 seconds left instead of even running it there or possibly throwing it on third down. And then I know you're down three, but maybe even going for it instead of attempting a 50-yard field goal. Regardless, they were in this game – I mean, Buffalo, I think at eight and three right now, we saw Buffalo through the first five weeks of the season, let's just say. And we were like, wow, maybe this is a team that is like head over toes better than everybody else in the league. Now I think we're maybe toning back on them a little bit. Like even like Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs on the sideline after the game, it was just like almost seemed like such a relief to actually win the game. And I understand that like a win is a win, but it wasn't a typical like dominant Bills fashion that we've seen kind of like seen over the past couple of years, even when it almost seems like it's a spot where they're going to come up with one of those big ones, just thinking back to like this year when they blew out the Steelers at home. So oh. I don't like, you know what I mean? I think that maybe they're not this juggernaut better than everybody. Now, don't get me wrong. They're still a top team in the AFC, but I think that again, we were talking potentially 17 and 0 and since then core, I mean, you, you might've killed them. Yeah, man, it's been the jinx. And honestly, I mean, like, the last, like, really good, like, game they played, I mean, the only one by 10, but I thought they did look good against Green Bay. And that was was almost a month ago. I'm pretty sure it was, like, Halloween weekend. And, I mean, the Jets kept Josh Allen intact. I mean, then he, he heard his UCL kind of. The Vikings, they should have won that game, but they, they didn't. Even against the Browns, like, last week, I mean – I know they were up by a decent amount in that game, but they started slow in that yeah, they game. They were down. Too. They were down like 10 to 3 in that game. And then this game, like, yeah, like you said, like Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs were really on the sideline, like hugging each other. Like, yeah, you won the game, but it's like the Detroit Lions, who they they were like 10 point favorites, nine and a half point favorites, Buffalo. So I mean, a win is a win, but it just seems like they're a little bit vulnerable right now. I know you said, like, I kind of agree, like, their O-line. I know Deion Dawkins got hurt in this game. Certainly not the same. Like, Josh Allen is, like, having to run or throw the ball. Like, I mean, Josh Allen also is, like, the leading rusher a lot of the time for for this team. And he is able to do that. But it's just a lot sometimes uh, on your quarterback. It just seemed like also on defense that Detroit was kind of, Certainly not afraid to, like, do anything here. I mean, they were moving the ball pretty well. I mean, Dan Campbell is a good coach. I kind of expected him to go for it on that fourth down. I mean, maybe he figured he was, like, a little far out still and there wasn't, like, that much time left. Like, what was he – like, was he really going to score a touchdown? Maybe he was figuring that and he had enough confidence in his kicker. But I would have liked to see them go for it and try to, like, win the game and then settle for a field goal if you had to. You just knew when when the score was 25-25, like, there was, like, 20 seconds left, if that, that Josh Allen was somehow going to find a way to win that game. Like, 
The thing about the Bills right now, I feel like they're playing kind of like not good and they're vulnerable a little bit. But for some reason, these these games, there's just like never a doubt when they need to score the ball or move the ball, like they're going to get it done. That's the only thing. Like they're still winning games. I wouldn't say I'm like fully concerned about them. You know what we'll call it? We'll say like just the middle of the season. I mean, it's honestly past midway. They're just not. I, I want to say like they're just like a little bored, but clearly it's just not that. Like they're struggling to win these games, but it seems like when they need to get the job done, they do get it done. So until they start losing games, I guess I'll call this team a top team for sure. I mean, right now I got to put Kansas City above them, even though Buffalo beat them. But Buffalo in Miami, I think is like a legit debate between those two. But yeah, I mean, they've definitely looked a little, a little bit vulnerable. Yeah, I think earlier in the year, listen, I'm not hopping off the Bills bandwagon at all. But yeah, I think earlier in the year, you could easily say that Buffalo was the top team. And if not, the only team competing with them is Kansas City now, even though you're right, Buffalo beat Kansas City earlier in the year, it's probably Kansas City at the top. And maybe Buffalo, like Miami's closer to Buffalo than Buffalo is to Kansas City. Especially because I just don't think Buffalo's defense has been as dominant as they were in the beginning of the year, which is definitely something that out of the gate people were like, oh my goodness, like if their defense is this good, which they've been banged up all year and stuff like that, it's not going to help that Von Miller now is out for a little bit. They did get Jadavious White back this past week, but hopefully Von Miller isn't out for too, too long. I know. He avoided like an ACL injury, but you're thinking, all right, let's be real. Let's rest him up a little bit, maybe get him some action late in the regular season and then for playoff time, come back because they desperately need him. But yeah, the Lions hung around in this game. Hats off to them for a team that kind of seemed like they might be like on a downwards trend in the mid, like right in like week seven, week eight. They've kind of like bounced back a little bit. I know four and seven isn't the greatest record, but they went on a nice little streak there when they beat the Lions. Uh, they beat the Packers, they beat the Bears, they beat the Giants, and they played pretty tight with the Buffalo Bills. So I think they played Jacksonville this week, so maybe that's another good spot for the Lions to come out and give a real good effort. The last game on Thanksgiving, real quick, the Giants just didn't capitalize on opportunities. The final in this game was 28-20 because they scored a last-second touchdown, but 21 answered, unanswered points by Dallas in the second half. Early in the, in the first half, they had two interceptions off Dak Prescott, only had three points off those to show for it. When you're dealing with a ton of injuries, the easiest way to kind of like make up for that is to score off turnovers, which they were unable to do. Saquon Barkley, again, having a tough time getting going on the ground. Their offensive line was, again, a lot of moving parts, a lot of guys injured. Andrew Thomas also probably played his worst game of the year. One bright spot for the Giants, I will say, Kayvon Thibodeau, Thibodeau played his best game of the year by far. He looked like what they expected him to be when they drafted him top five. Couldn't cover C.D. Lamb as well. So I think maybe when, again, when you're losing guy, like when you're already at a personal disadvantage and then you're playing with your backups, it just is going to show some weeks. And it kind of showed this week. And unfortunate for the Giants, they dropped back-to-back weeks to seven and four now. They have a huge game this week with the Washington Commanders, who are 6-1 and one in their last seven. Their defense is playing some real good ball. So, yeah, I mean, if the Giants want to be a playoff team, they absolutely have to have this win against Washington this week. But, yeah, tough one in Dallas, but th- just a tough time stopping the run. And like I said, just too many injuries to overcome. Uh, this was an Ezekiel Elliott game where he kind of looked – yeah, he looked – I'm not going to say prime Zeke, but he definitely looked better. I heard some stat. I think – yeah, he didn't even go over it in this game. I mean – I think it was – I could be wrong. I should have knew this more. Like, I was literally listening on the radio, and I think it was 
either 19 or I think it was 19 or 29. I think it was 19 games. Like Ezekiel Elliott has not gone over 100 yards, like all purpose yards in a game in 19 straight games. And he didn't go over in this game either. So 20 games, which honestly is pretty crazy to me because this guy was like rushing, like led the league in like rushing um, a few years ago. But honestly, like in the, the games, like the part of the game that I was watching, I kind of thought the Giants to be up 13 7. I don't know. I mean, I kind of thought they were getting a little bit lucky, honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. what I think Dak threw two picks. I don't even think like some like one of them like wasn't really his fault. I know they the, the the Dallas got an interception and got called back because of a penalty. I think that resulted in Slayton catching that monster touchdown. But I was like thinking in my head, like Dallas is kind of playing, like making a lot of mistakes also early in that first half, and they kind of just, like, capitalized and refound themselves in the second half. And, yeah, I mean, but 21 unanswered points, just something, like, you can't have. Um, I don't know what the odds were for – was this guy named Peyton Peyton Hendershot? I don't even know, like, what the guy's odds were to score a touchdown, but, yeah, he scored. Giants still at 7-4 and four through 11 games. Like, you're right where you want to be. You just got to get a win this week against Washington, which is not going to be an easy task at all. I mean, team clearly six and one in their last seven. But, I mean, you're at home. This is this is what you want. Uh, Brian Dable, really good coach. And, yeah, I mean, I know the Giants are underdogs in this game, but certainly a great situation to bounce back. And it seemed like the commanders, we can get into that later. I mean, right now, they've been kind of playing some ugly games. I know they beat Houston, but – like pretty handedly. Houston has to be is easily the worst team in the NFL. They're actually pathetic. And I mean, last week was a pretty ugly game. I know it was raining there against Atlanta. So I think this is a winnable game. I think Washington is due for a game where they lose and like it doesn't go their way. So I think the Giants are still in like a good position. Like you told them week, what is this, week twelve, week thirteen, like seven and four record. We got Washington. We got to win that game. Like, you're still taking that. I know from what they were, like, they've lost two games in a row. But let's be real. Like, the Giants are not going to go 13-4. and four. Like, they're just not a good enough team to do that. So, for them to be in this position, I think certainly a good position. I know the fans, this is a good position for the fans, too. Just got to go out there and uh, and the win win this game. I think, I think they will. We'll get into that after. But I think they'll certainly compete out there, and it's a big-time divisional game for them. Yeah, I mean that two two and a half point underdogs at home for a seven and four team is definitely something you don't expect to see in week thirteen. But with some of the Giants injuries as well as the Commanders six and one in their last seven over that stretch too, they have a turnover differential of plus seven, so they're taking the ball away. And but you're right, they have really played in some ugly games. I mean, you just look back at some of their wins along that stretch. They beat the Colts in that one point game when. I think that was – was that still Matt Ryan or was that Ellinger's first start? That was Ellinger's first Ellinger, start. Ellinger. Right? Yeah, it was Ellinger. Yeah, it was. It was. It was Ellinger's first start. They beat the Packers the week before. Like, the Bears is even in that – remember that Thursday night game against the yeah. Bears? Those were one of the worst things I've ever watched. And that was the game that, like, kind of started this. So, I'm not sold on them, but the Giants have to protect the football. They are getting a little healthier this week. Evan Neal, I know, practice today – uh, Fabian Moreau, their number two corner as well, was another guy who practiced as well. John Feliciano, their center, 
They have Dane Belton, one of their safeties. I mean, I could go on and on literally saying this injury report. It's very lengthy. So hopefully for the Giants' sake, I mean, I think, of course, I'm biased, but they're a better team than Washington at home. As an underdog, too, I almost think it helps them. I like the Giants in this spot. With that being said, Corey, we're going to turn it over to the other team at MetLife. Mike White, take it away, Corey. I mean, 31-10 victory and a big day at the quarterback position for number five. Yeah, Mike White. I'm not going to sit here and just act like Mike White is the savior for the Jets, but something that it definitely did here was just a new guy at, at, at the quarterback position. I mean, Zach Wilson, after those comments against the – Patriots. I mean, I'm not. I know Robert Sala like said like, I don't think he like lost the locker room, but I definitely think it was the right move. I mean, when a guy scores three points and he's saying like, it wasn't like, they're like, was that on you? And you're like, no, like that the defense not going to take that the right way. I mean, even guys on the team aren't going to take that the right way. So, I think bringing in Mike White certainly was the right choice, or him or Flacco. And obviously, Mike White went out and balled out. I mean. 315 yards, three touchdowns. I know he's playing against the Bears in the rain. I mean, the Bears without Justin Fields, like, this is a bad team. And, I mean, this game, they were down 10-7 to in this game. They scored 24 unanswered. Garrett Wilson, I mean, I've liked this guy. I didn't, I, I, I didn't watch him as much in college. I know he was, like, top receiver at Ohio State. But since he's come to the Jets, I think he is definitely legit. I could see him being the wide receiver one for this team for – at least a few years when he's here. Like, I think he is definitely capable of being a wide receiver one on a, on a good offense, honestly. I think he's a really good receiver. I mean, good route runner, strong hands, made had two touchdowns in this game. And, yeah, I mean, you got to keep riding Mike White. I, I, I'm not, like, fully sold on him. I got to see him this week against Minnesota. I think this can be – I mean, right now, though, I think Mike White certainly gives you a better chance to win than Zach Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson – is not throwing that efficiently in three touchdowns. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's just not doing that right now. I mean, Mike White was kind of, I mean, Elijah Moore on that touchdown was wide open. So Mike White had open receivers in this one, but I think it's more just like the vibe. I mean, Zach Wilson, yeah, when you're saying stuff like that and you bring in a new quarterback, I think the players are going to gather around him, play a little bit harder because they, they see a new face at quarterback. And, I mean, clearly that's what happened. Um, Jets, 7-4, and four, definitely needed this game. Could not fall to 6-5 and five going into Minnesota. I think they'll put up a good fight in Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota just doesn't blow teams out. So, yeah, I'm on the Mike White, Mike White train for now. But if people are going to tell me that, like, Mike White is going to be, like, the savior and the franchise quarterback for the Jets, like, I think that's definitely an overreaction after one game. But, yeah, after one game, he looked really good. And as a Jets fan, like, I'm happy. I'll ride him until, um, yeah, until it goes south. But right now, yeah, we'll, we'll ride Mike White. Yeah, listen, I mean, if Zach Wilson was that quarterback, the Jets are still winning this football game. I mean, the Bears defense, they're, you know, like, they've given up 49, 35, 31, 27, and now 31 points to the Jets in their last five. They're just awful. It's a bad group, okay? And they had some injuries, too. I think Brisker, I don't even, like, Brisker and Eddie Jackson, I believe, got hurt in the game. So it makes them even worse. With that all being said, Mike White is 100% your quarterback for the rest of the year, if you ask me, if you're the Jets. You're not going back to Zach Wilson. I'm saying even if Mike White struggles. Even if Mike White were to struggle, I would go to Flacco 
before I would go to Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson also, too, like, I have to maybe think his mindset right now can't be great seeing Mike White step on the field and just, like, go ball out. It's definitely demoralizing for to, for a guy of Wilson's talent to see, and especially a former second overall pick just last year. Yeah, I mean, Mike White played so good in that game against the Bengals last year, and then got hurt, I believe, the game after against the Colts. So a real small sample size with him. Again, I don't think it's right to be like, all right, maybe we have Mike White as our future quarterback and stuff like this. But Mike White has shown that he can give solid quarterback play and not hurt the Jets, and that's exactly what they need. They just need a quarterback to play in rhythm to complement their run game, which Zonovan Knight comes off the practice squad and runs real well. James Robinson, a healthy scratch. It doesn't matter. So I'm curious to see – his story, and maybe it can continue into Minnesota this week. But, yeah, I'm excited to see Mike White continue to get some more run and reps under his belt. Again, I don't think the Jets, even as an organization, are saying, all right, Mike White is our future quarterback. But right now in 2022, who gives us the best chance to go to the playoffs? It is 1,000% Mike White. And hopefully for your sake, core, he can take you guys there. Because I think, like, if you get the Mike White that played this past Sunday – like you're for sure a playoff team. I'm still not sure if you're winning a playoff game even with mm. a, like a Mike White there. But with Zach Wilson, you could argue that you weren't a playoff team with even as good as your defense was. So I think Mike White gives you guys the best chance down the stretch. I think it's a no-brainer to stick with him. And I think he is going to give you a good game in Minnesota. I know it's not one of our game picks this week, but I'm curious, like, you sided with your boys or do you think that it's a Minnesota win-by-one-possession classic in Minnesota? If you remember like two episodes ago, I think it was before New England, I had the Jets beating New England. I had them beating Chicago, and I had them going into Minnesota and getting the win. I mean, that's when Zach Wilson was the quarterback. I'm not going to switch now. I'm not even trying to sound biased. I, I think the Jets get it done in Minnesota. I think they get the win here go to eight and four. It's going to be a tough game. I think it's definitely going to be a close one. But I know Minnesota's been really good in close games all year, but I think – I really think the Jets do go into Minnesota and win this game, all bias aside. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good spot for the Jets' defense, too, and a good test for the Vikings' offense as well. But I think the Jets' defense can definitely prevail, and I think that if Mike White can protect the football, he gives himself, the, like the, himself a chance to really win this game on potentially the last drive. Yeah, I kind of I kind of like the Jets in this one as well. Core, we'll move on to our next topic and we used to do our stock up, stock down things. We're going to bring it back for this episode because stock up this week is going for two. Two teams won this week because they got aggressive on, like, essentially the last play of the game, I don't want to call it, but late in the game, 20 seconds, however many times, 15 seconds after these games, going for two, down one to take the leads. We will first start in Jacksonville where the Jacksonville Jaguars defeated the Baltimore Ravens, almost Justin Tucker set his own record with a new long field goal, but he came up a couple yards short. 28-27 was the final thanks to a Trevor Lawrence touchdown to Marvin Jones Jr., which was a beautiful throw, and then a two-point conversion. I believe the two-pointer was to Zay Jones, I want to say. So they're keeping up with the Joneses down in Jacksonville. But Trevor Lawrence had a great start to the year. He played that awesome game against the Chargers. That went on a little bit of a skid, had that tough game in Philadelphia had a brutal game against the Texans, but now maybe riding some riding some ship a little bit as the Jaguars improved to four and seven, and maybe you know what, showing more promise on why he was that number one overall pick for the Ravens sides of things. This is the fourth time they've blown a big lead in the fourth quarter. All four losses 
have been fourth quarter blown leads, which is just gross. You can look at the defense and be like, you got to close the game. I look at the offense, three field goals. You end up kicking when you are on the 12, the 10, and I believe the five-yard line. You got to start punching the ball in more into the red zone, especially when you have a guy like Mark Andrews there. They don't have a huge, like – Bat like Gus Edwards is their number one back, but he's not this dynamic runner. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is their best runner in a sense. So they gotta start putting like put, they should have put this game away earlier. Is what I'm trying to say. As yeah, you can point to the defense late in the game and being like you can't give up that late touchdown drive to Lawrence, but again, they shouldn't be in that position. So I don't think everybody's at fault here in Baltimore, but definitely something has to change here because. This is a team that should be better than their record, but it's such a clear flaw that has not been corrected yet, and we're in week 12 going into week 13. Yeah, the thing about Baltimore is, first off, like Lamar Jackson really does not have – like he has a tight end. I know he did like Bateman's out for the year. I know Deshaun Jackson actually did make like a long catch in this one. But, I mean, it's just tough. Like I don't know what to make of this team. They are 7-4. and four. And if you really want to be realistic, I'm not going to say, like, they could be 11-0. and 0, But the four games that they've lost, like, that, like, picture of the four games, like, the scores, the fact that they lost all four of those games is actually crazy. I think at worst, you got to close out, like, three of them. Like, one of them I can understand, but the fact that they keep blowing these leads is pretty bad. But, like, I just don't know what to make of them. They're really not in a pretty team at all. Like, the way they, they have – the way their offense is set up right now, very non-explosive. I mean, yeah, they give him a, they give Lamar a tight end, Mark Andrews, top tight end in the league, and then outside of that, I mean, you don't even have any like guys. I mean, you got Demarcus Robinson, like he literally used to be like wide receiver four on the Chiefs. Like, there's literally no one here. Like, I'm literally looking through the box score right now. Leading receiver was. Oliver, like Josh Oliver, he's like a backup tight end. tight end. Yeah, like you just don't have explosive receivers, really. So it's just tough for Lamar. I think he doesn't have guys like getting open every play. He's got to do a lot for himself. I just think I know like they're always in positions to win games. And I, I still think if they played a team like Kansas City in the playoffs, like I don't think they're going to get blown out. But I just don't think this team has what it takes like. You look at them, like, the way they play football, I mean, it's just not – I don't think, like, they, they should be better. Like, I just don't think they're, like, a Super Bowl, like, contender, like, to get out of the AFC. Like, I think they're on such a lower level than a team like Kansas City, Miami, even, like, Buffalo right now. Like, I think they're just, like, a tier below that. Just I know they've had, like, a lot of situations where they could win games. It just – I don't know. I mean, their defense actually played pretty good. Like, even last week – but they went 13 to three against the Panthers. Like that's just an ugly game. I think like, yeah, they're winning games. Lamar is a winner. I, I, I like the Ravens as a team. I just don't think like this team is really built to go far in the AFC right now. That's all like I'm saying. I think in the playoffs, it's going to be tough when your number one wide receiver is Demarcus Robinson. I know in the playoffs, like your recipe could be to run the ball, but like, it's not like they have like a running back like Gus Edwards either. Like Lamar Jackson's not your running back. So when you have when you have like number eight on your team, like your team's always gonna have a chance. But I just don't think this team has enough surrounding talent on offense to to go anywhere really in the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. I mean, in a close game, 
which the Ravens have been in all of their games basically are close. You need a guy to make a play. And who they have to rely on this week? Deshaun Jackson to make a 62-yard catch to put them to set them up for a go-ahead touchdown drive, which is great for Deshaun Jackson, but Deshaun Jackson's what, 35? Like that you can't rely on Deshaun Jackson to have to do that. And I know Rashad Bateman is hurt, but even with Rashad Bateman healthy, they don't have enough playmakers there. So outside of Mark Andrews, they desperately need somebody down the stretch to just step up and go crazy. Maybe it's Devin DuVernay. Maybe it is Demarcus Robinson. Isaiah Likely's hurt. I don't know when they get him back. Maybe he can help a little bit of that. But, yeah, it's just an uninspiring skill group that puts so much onto Lamar Jackson's plate that I'm with you. I I don't even necessarily know if Baltimore is better than Cincinnati. I know Baltimore beat Cincinnati earlier in the year, but all around, like, which team would I rather have? I might actually side with Cincinnati. I think Miami is a much better football team than Baltimore. I don't really think it's – I don't want to say close because of how good, like, Lamar is and how much he can keep his, his team in the game. But, yeah, I don't feel great about, like, Baltimore's outlook come playoff time. It's definitely less than it has been. I know they didn't make the playoffs last year, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe people still fall into the narrative of – of like a couple of years back when they were 14 and two and Lamar had such a good roster around him when he won an MVP. Like this is not the same case at all. So curious to see how that division plays out for the rest of the way. One, I think Baltimore and Cincinnati are tied. Do they play? They probably play. Yeah, they do play. week eighteen. So maybe that that's for the division. I would, I would expect that game to ultimately be for the division. So that one will be in Cincinnati too. So that would be an awesome game to see potentially maybe even who goes to the playoffs because with how good the AFC East has been, we might have all three teams there in the playoffs. And that the AFC North could just be a one team, like whoever wins the division is in and everybody else, unfortunately out of luck core. The other game that a team went for two late in and won, Brandon Staley got back on his aggressive ways with 15 seconds after they score a go-ahead touchdown, Justin Herbert, then throws a two-point conversion to Austin Eckler. 274 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions for Herbert, who's definitely maybe not been as good as people would have hoped, but I don't think enough people understand the amount of injuries this guy has dealt with all year. First of all, with himself and his rib injury, people just kind of forget that that happened, like, when you're like the torque that it takes to throw and just like how hesitant you're going to be in the pocket when you literally get crushed every single time and you're inside, like that's a tough injury for a quarterback for sure, but he's battling through it. And his offensive line has been all banged up. Rashawn Slater's all pro left tackle has been out. Corey Lindsley has, he's back now, but he's missed games. I believe their right tackle as well has been out. Um, Keenan Allen, obviously, you know, Mike Williams is out this time. Joan Everett's missed time. Like, it's just everybody that he's underlined DeAndre Carter all year. No hate to DeAndre Carter, but you know what I mean? He had a, he had a nice game though this past week. And I believe he caught the touchdown too, um, with like 15 seconds left. He definitely caught a touchdown in this game. So good for DeAndre Carter. But yeah, good for Herbert kind of getting the Chargers back on track. He's starting to play a lot better ball, as we even saw in that Sunday night game against the Chiefs. So the Chargers are at seven and five seven and four now or six and five. So they're set they're still in a decent spot to potentially make a run at one of the wild card spots. Especially like do I think the Chargers are a better team than New England? I do. But now they're starting to put together some really good performances. Arizona left the door open and they get aggressive. They trust their offense like they did the years past. I hope they start doing that more because it seems to work for the Chargers. I know it came back to bite Staley at some points last year, but 
I, I like this aggressive style. I think aggressive wins football games on the road. Kind of, again, your team's maybe been a little disappointing all year. I think that maybe going for two there was a way to maybe inspire them and maybe really get them, like, I don't want to say back on track because they're still playing decent football, but going to Vegas this week, hopefully that inspires them to go get a win. Mm-hmm. I think when you're, yeah, like, I like the move definitely to go for two. I didn't really talk about it in Jacksonville either. Like, I mean, I was trying to find the the percentage of go, winning, like converting on a two point conversion, isn't that high. It's, it's honestly around fifty percent. But yeah, like why even try to go to overtime when you could just end it right there? Like have confidence in your offense. If you don't get it done, like yeah, you don't get it done. I mean, it's not like the, it's the season's over if you lose this game. Like. I mean, honestly, if they did lose this game, it would have been a big loss, especially. They would have felt like two games out of a playoff spot. But I still think you got to be aggressive sometimes. I mean, if it's – I think more teams honestly should do this. A lot of teams just want to – are complacent to send it to overtime. When why? Like, you're literally getting a one play from the three-yard line. Like, have confidence in your offense. Have confidence in your guys to go get it done. That's exactly what – Brandon Staley and Doug Peterson did. I think Herbert, like if you if you're telling me who's Herbert, like who has Herbert's best receiver been this year? It's honestly been Austin Eckler, who has 80 catches as a running back, which is absolutely insane right now. Um, there's been a lot of like dump off passes, but yeah, he really hasn't had a lot of his receivers, and he ha- like he doesn't have that much time either. To throw all the time, he's also been dealing with a lot of injuries. I think people are saying like he's just been throwing to Eckler this year. I mean, it's obvious it's obvious that Justin Herbert can absolutely sling the ball. Like he's got to have top three, like strongest arm in the league. And I still think like he's an accurate quarterback downfield. So I still think Justin Herbert is a superstar. Like not just a star. I think he's a superstar in this league, like talent wise. And I mean, like. You want to see a guy like Herbert make the playoffs. Like, he he is, like, honestly a pretty – he's just a top talent in the league. I think I definitely want to see him make the playoffs. So, I think it's definitely a big win for them. I mean, the Raiders are 4-7, and seven, but I'm not expecting this to be an easy game going into Vegas. But, I mean, I don't know if Mike Williams is going to come back this week, but he does have Keenan Allen back. And, yeah, I mean, I expect Herbert – he can get his weapons back. Like I think he can get it rolling again and get it looking like what he was looking like last year. And yeah, I think this Chargers team, like originally my ceiling for them was to win a Super Bowl. I don't think that is the case anymore, but I still think this team is playoff caliber. So I think this week's a big, big game for them to go into into Vegas, which honestly I think is gonna be a really tough game. Yeah, it will be because Vegas, obviously, with that big win last week. And just circling back to your two-point stance, I 100% agree, especially, like, on the road in, in, in a game where you're not, like, a huge, overwhelming favorite. So, in a, or in a game that you're, like, outplayed in, like, it's 100% the right move to go for two if you ask me because your odds, I mean, of winning in overtime, first of all, like, are probably not much better than 50%, if even, you know what I mean? So, if your conversion rate – 
the typical conversion rate, it's assumed to be just about 50%, maybe 49% of succeeding on a two-point conversion, right? That's league average, as I say. Now you're a Chargers team, so you have a better offense. So obviously you're like, you'd think that'd be a couple ticks up. And now you throw in, oh, you're on the road. So now your win probability even in going to overtime is even a little lower than, you know what I mean? So it just oh. makes so much sense. About it. And the Jaguars, too, the Jaguars have been basically trailing all game. They haven't had the lead all game. And that also, yeah. Yeah, and like I know the Jaguars are at home, but still, like I think that's a hundred percent the right call. Let it come down to a play rather than come down to another quarter where you're the worst, like you're a worse team. Like so, I hundred percent agree with both of those choices. They were the right choice, and I agree. And I think that something else that like teams like they get so motivated off that that enough people don't understand. Like, look at the Giants, like maybe where that two point conversion in Tennessee, how that played into the next couple of weeks and their start of the year. And just like, it kind of set the tone for like what type of team this would be. And sometimes like going for two and getting it and being aggressive, like just like sets the tone in your locker room. It really gets them to sort like get behind the coach and stuff like that. So I'm curious to see how both of these two teams come out. And I mean, I think it was one of the guys on, the Jaguars was like, like really passionate about Doug Peterson. He was really fired yeah. up about that because that's what type of play, that's what a play like that does. When you have confidence in your players, it's so like you could say everything, but actions speak louder than words. So good for Doug Peterson and good for Brandon Staley in this one. We got some overtime games though, Corey. These teams didn't go for two if they had the choice. I know the Browns definitely had the choice, which is the one that we'll start with first. David Njoku makes an unreal catch late yeah. in the fourth quarter. Then. Amari Cooper has a long catch in overtime after Carlton Davis slips. Nick Chubb punches it in, and the Browns end up beating the Buccaneers in a pretty uneventful game. I think the bigger story in this one is the Browns are 4-7, and seven, and unfortunately for Jacoby Brissett, who's played some real good football, he's going to go to the bench because Deshaun Watson is going to make his debut this week. All eyes will be peeled on Houston. I mean, Kind of a script moment in a sense. Watson obviously sat out all of last year, suspended for the first 11 this year, going back to where he began his career, where he became a superstar quarterback on the field. Obviously, all the stuff has happened off the field, but just on the field, Deshaun Watson hasn't played football in almost two years. I think it's crazy to expect him to then hop back on and be this top five quarterback that he kind of was at some points in his career. But yeah, the Browns are four and seven. Do you think that they're in too big of a hole? And do you think that getting a guy like of Watson's talent back could potentially propel them to a late playoff push? Yeah, man, I think four and seven is a pretty big hole for them to overcome. I really don't see this team making the playoffs. They've had some tough losses, like close losses this year. I mean, first off, that Jets game really like coming back. Mm-hmm. To haunt them, they lost to the Chargers in a close one, the Falcons in a close one. Like, even one of those games, five and six just seems so much better than four and seven. It's crazy. I, I just I just think there's, especially in the division, I still think with Watson, maybe they, nah, I'm not going to, I still think they're the third best team in their division. I, I don't think, I, I think people are just giving Watson too much credit right now. Like, yeah. When he was on the Texans, he was an elite quarterback. But, like, yeah, like you said, he hasn't played in two years. I mean, if he proves me wrong, like, I'll tip my cap to him. I don't expect him to come out within, like, the first three games and just be, like, locked in, like, making really good throws, really good reads. Like, I just don't see that happening. I think he's – there. there is still some rust. I mean, it's not like Deshaun Watson is Patrick Mahomes. So – 
at four and seven in in a like a pretty crowded AFC, I really don't see I don't see the Browns making the playoffs. I mean, Jacoby Brissett really played well for them. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything more from the guy. I mean, the guy's a backup. Like, you want to talk about guys who could potentially go out and get a starting job on a team mm-hmm. next year? Like, Jacoby Brissett can go out and do that and be a serviceable quarterback. I mean, he showed it for sure in in this season. I know the team was 4-7, and seven, but, like, the Browns were able to compete in a lot of games. I mean, this is, like, a pretty solid roster around Brissett. But, I mean, if you don't have a quarterback, like, you're not going to be able to win games. And I know that, yeah, like, they did go 4-7, and seven, but he definitely did a good job competing. Um, winning some games. But, yeah, I think Brissett definitely can get a job next year. But I think the Browns are too far out of it right now for them to make a playoff push. Yeah, I'm in agreement there. And I just think that because Watson is going to be rusty and they have literally no room, no margin for error, they probably would have to win out almost. Mm-hmm. Like If they were 9-8, and eight, they're probably not making the playoffs here. So, yeah, I think it's maybe you get Watson back for – what is it, this last six games, and maybe you get everything going so that now next year you're set up for when, obviously, he has a full season in front of him that they can potentially compete for the AFC North and maybe set their sights higher. But I'm glad you brought that up about Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett 100% deserves to go into a camp next year for a different team and compete for a starting role because he played some real good football there. The advanced numbers really like him as well. So good for Brissett in a tough situation, making the most out of it. Another guy, Core, who might be going to a new place this offseason. His contract is up at the end of the year. Josh Jacobs continues to have a breakout year in 2022, really out of nowhere after the Raiders declined his fifth-year option. This was his best performance yet, 228 yards on the ground, three touchdowns, Tapped off by an 84-yarder in overtime as the Raiders beat the Seahawks 40-34 to in Seattle. Real crazy game. Vegas had 576 total yards of offense. For Seattle, I mean, you want to, they drop out of the NFC West lead now with the Niners winning this loss. You can't give up 576 yards at home and expect to even be a playoff team. It's a good story for them and stuff. They, they still are competing for that playoff spot. They still probably will ultimately get in. But for Josh Jacobs and the Raiders, it's been a little bit of a disappointing year. But back-to-back weeks, overtime victories. First, it was Devontae Adams on a long touchdown. Now, Josh Jacobs, again, they're 4-7-2, and seven, two, too little, too late almost. But it's almost a shame because they've lost a lot of close games this year. And it's almost a what could have been for this team. But, yeah, nothing short, like, and not Josh Jacobs' fault. Josh Jacobs has had a career. Yeah, I'd expect him pro- probably to be franchise tagged, but who knows? In a contract year, Josh Jacobs certainly has balled out. I mean, I mean, let's remember this guy is from Alabama. Outside of Trent Richardson, they usually turn out to be pretty good. Honestly, I, thinking about it, like, who is even a – they honestly don't turn out to be that good. I don't know why I said that. I mean, like, both – yeah, I mean, obviously Derrick Henry's the top guy, but like Bo Scarabo, TJ Yeldon, um, Ingram, Mark. Okay, Mark Ingram was good. Eddie Lacy, Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake, you're right. Eddie Lacy, I mean, back in the day was all right. I mean, Trent Richardson, Damian Harris, Boss. I, know, I mean, it's disgusting that I could probably sit here for another two minutes and name Alabama running backs. Like, that's just how good of a program they are. I mean, yeah. Najee, of course. I didn't say Najee awesome. because it's too early, obviously, to tell with Najee, but. No, like I'm talking about, like I was talking about, like star running backs mm-hmm. outside of Eric Henry. No, you're, no, you're that, that's a that's a fair point. I mean, yeah, it's hard to just come out and like have pure stars. Um, 
I mean, Georgia's probably got like better pro running backs, but hey, we're not turning this into that debate. But I mean, I was just saying, like, he is from Alabama. Like, this guy was a first round pick. I kind of think he got written off a little bit. I think his last two seasons weren't really good. I mean, he had a good rookie season, but this year, I mean, obviously, he's averaging over five yards per carry. Certainly has just been, I mean, he's first in the league in rushing by, I think, over 100 yards. And yeah, I mean, the contract year, he certainly earned the right to get paid if he does not get a franchise tag. Because you look at this running back free agent class, uh, I, I mean, he's clearly the second best running back. I mean, him and Saquon are top dogs in this class. I mean, everyone else kind of like mids. I mean, Kareem Hunt's pretty good. Everyone else, I mean, Tony Pollard also. But a lot of these guys, like, it's not that strong. Miles Sanders, like, it's like a, it's not that good of a running back class. Mm -hmm. So I think if like they don't franchise tag him, I think a team certainly will give Josh Jacobs at least $10 million a year. Like he'll get a good contract and he'll be an RB one anywhere he wanted to go. Like he's definitely earned the right. I mean, even if Josh Jacobs wasn't doing like this, like he's still an RB one somewhere else. Like he's, he's a good talent. So, I mean, it's good to see him, thrive i mean that that touchdown in overtime i mean like there was literally just like he, he made like one guy miss like before midfield mm -hmm. and it was like nobody even there so good win for the raiders um seattle kind of like i wouldn't say fading but it's just like coming to this year like the expectations weren't that high and sometimes it's like it's hard to sustain that when like your talent right now like isn't there i think the future is kind of bright for them but right now um, it's kind of fading. I still think this team could slide into a wild card spot, but certainly like fading off a little bit. But Pete, Pete Carroll is a good coach. I expect this team to compete down the stretch and yeah, definitely be there for a wild card spot. Yeah, for sure. They probably have to beat out the worst of the Giants and the Commanders. They play the Rams next week, and then the C and then the Panthers the week after. Before they play the Forty Niners, the Chiefs, and the Jets. Those are two absolute must wins. Must win. Get to eight wins there. Maybe steal one of those next three and then beat the Rams at home. You have 10 wins and you're probably in the playoffs in the NFC at 10 and 7. So Seattle's still kind of on track, but that would have been definitely a good spot to get a victory over the Raiders this past week. And for Josh Jacobs, yeah, I'm curious to see Josh Jacobs versus the Tony Pollard debate with money because, like, he's maybe swing on Pollard's upside, whereas Josh Jacobs, obviously, like, if you get this year's Josh Jacobs, and yeah, obviously, he's worth way more, but if you get last year's Josh Jacobs, like, eh, maybe not, but like, maybe credit, maybe a little credit to Josh McDaniels, too, not getting enough love for the breakout of Josh Jacobs and kind of unlocking something there with his run scheme, but who knows? You mentioned another free agent running back core coming up, Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders ran real well this past weekend for the Philadelphia Eagles. 363 total team rushing yards, not just Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders on a buck 42. Jalen Hurts, 157, 153 in the air as the Eagles won this game 40 to 33. Again, they leaned on it late in the game last week against the Colts, and then they just went all for it. Without Dallas Goddard, their passing attack hasn't looked what it did in the beginning of the year. But again, they were able to run all over the Packers team, which is what a lot of teams have been able to do. Credit to the Packers. Their offense probably played one of the best games that they had this year. And I think what a lot of people walked away from this game was with Aaron Rodgers getting hurt in the fourth quarter, Jordan Lovecore, he made some real nice throws in this game. I mean, even there was an incompletion that he had to Randall Cobb, they throws on the run yeah. across his body that 
Let me tell you something, Court. Not a lot of quarterbacks in this league make the throw with that velocity. The ball just seemed like real good off his hands. I mean, he he, he looked good. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I was never, like, high on Jordan Love. I mean, obviously the guy had a lot of, like, upside, but I never really, like, saw him. I mean, Aaron, I mean, this team is 4-8. and eight. Aaron Rodgers, I know he didn't practice today, said, but he said he expects um, him to practice at some point. I could tell you, I feel like, I mean, I don't know how much, how many more years Aaron Rodgers has in him, but like, this is just not a Super Bowl team. Aaron Rodgers, as long as he stays on the Packers, he's not winning another Super Bowl. I mean, I'm confident to say that. I, I, I know if, if Rodgers is good to go, like, he's going to start, but I mean, like, if there's any time to like, it's not like a season-ending injury. That's the thing. But I'd love to see Jordan Love finish out this season. I don't think it's going to happen. I'd love to see it, though. I think it would definitely be a good a good time for him to, like, ball out and, like, showcase what he could do. I just don't think they're going to do it because, I mean, like, the thing is if Jordan Love does go out there, let's say, over these last six games and he plays really well, like, what do you do? Like, Aaron Rodgers is still one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And, like, if he comes back next year, like, what, you just, like, trade Aaron Rodgers? Like, you could do that. But it's a good problem to have, though, if you have two quarterbacks. You know what I mean? It is. I just don't think, like, like Aaron – I don't think they're going to do Aaron Rodgers like that. I just think if Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers is not, like, seriously hurt, he's going to be the quarterback to finish out this season. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, Jordan Love's just still got to wait his turn, I guess. But then – I'm going to flip it over to the Eagles real quick. You look at Jalen Hurts these last two weeks. He's rushed for 86 yards against Indianapolis, 157 this week. I think right now, like, they are leaning heavy on the run game. I mean, obviously, Hurts is a dual-threat quarterback, but he was throwing a lot more. I mean, Dallas Goddard was a key piece to this passing game. And, I mean, he had a game against, like, Pittsburgh. He had four passing touchdowns. Like, he was throwing the ball a lot, I think, right now. It's clear it's just not the same. And they're relying heavy on the run game. I think they could run into trouble against a team like the Niners in the playoffs. I mean, even Dallas, who, I mean, they get after the quarterback when um when he th- when when they throw, but still, like I think Philly could get into some issues without um Dallas Goddard in the passing game. I don't know, like he just makes a big difference for them. I mean, he opens things up. Even A.J. Brown, I know he kind of like tweaked something early in that in that Washington game. I mean, he kind of hasn't been mm-hmm. the same since. So I know Eagles are still 10-1, and one, still going to win the NFCs, maybe, probably. Um, still a playoff team. But, like, right now, it's just like the seeming like a little bit one-dimensional. Like, Jalen Hurts rushing for this much each game, I don't think is that sustainable for a quarterback who – like Lamar Jackson's done it, but I don't think it's like really sustainable for a quarterback. I think the way he was playing earlier in the year was really, really good. Like he was getting rushing touchdowns, like solid rushing yards. But now, like you're gonna ask for him like rush for like a hundred yards a game. Like I don't think that's really that sustainable. So I think that could be a problem. But when you're winning games, you you don't you don't have to address anything mm-hmm. until like you start losing games. So they'll keep going. I just think they could run into some difficulty down the stretch. Yeah, I think that's the bigger thing right now. They're winning. Like, these past two weeks, they won. So, it's not that big of a problem. Like, you're not going to be like, well, 
you should throw the ball. Well, they're winning. They they won this week by running the ball. Like it was working. So obviously, why not? Like why? You know what? I mean? But when it becomes time where you actually have to throw the ball, Jan steps up. Which who knows? He's taking some great strides this year. That mm-hmm. when that time comes, maybe he will rise to the occasion. He will show people that he's developing so well as a quarterback, and he will be able to take over a game with his arm down the stretch. Do I have a ton of faith in it? Maybe not particularly, but we'll just have to wait and see to what that happens. I think the Eagles, what were they? They were nine and zero. Oh no, they were eight and zero, and then they lost that game to the Commanders. I think that maybe like the gap is definitely closed in the NFC. If you ask me, I think the Cowboys and San Francisco are a lot closer to Philadelphia than a lot of people would like to admit that they were two weeks ago. So I'm definitely curious to see how this NFC race winds down with the Jordan Love situation. Just ending on that before we go to our game picks. It's like, what do the Packers have to lose, though, by playing him out this year? This is his third year, which means they have to decide on that fifth-year option, which is a hefty price tag to fully guarantee. So I think, like, it just sucks because, yeah, it's like you're not going to do Rodgers dirty, but at the same time, it makes so much sense from a franchise standpoint to just play Jordan Love because if Jordan Love balls out this year, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that, like, a team wouldn't give up definitely an early second, maybe not a late first, but you're talking about a guy with two years of control, one of them really cheap, who's now, like, he has NFL game film. And this guy, like, he wasn't a fifth-round pick. This guy was a first-round pick a couple of years ago. And it's clear the arm talent is there, at least from what we saw this past week. I know he wasn't great in the game against the Chiefs last year, but I definitely want to see more Jordan Love down the stretch. I think it just makes all too much sense for the Packers. But, again, they do have Aaron Rodgers, and it's almost like Aaron Rodgers has been their franchise quarterback, obviously, since, what, 2008 and he just suicided this past offseason, and I, I don't know. Maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe not. With that being said, Core, we will be making our game picks for this week. Thursday Night Football is where we will start in New England. The Patriots are four-point underdogs against the Bills. Remember this game last year on Monday Night Football when it was the absolute win bowl? It was crazy. Bills as four-point favorites. I'll start with you, Core. Who do you like here? I mean, I took them last week. I'm also going to back them again. I don't know. I think Buffalo – wins this game. I think they win. I think it's a one possession game. I'll say they win by a touchdown. So it could be a field goal or it could be a touchdown. I think Buffalo though gets another win. This one in Foxborough. Yeah, I mean Monday night football. I think they get the win here and cover the spread. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Patriots to cover here. I think what Detroit was able to do last week is they were able to match the physicality of Buffalo very well in the trenches. I think that's going to be another problem this week for Buffalo that they're going to have to deal with on both sides of the football. With that being said, Josh Allen is the better quarterback. He's the best player on the field. I think he will ultimately be victorious in this one, which is why we'll go with the Bills to ultimately win. But I will take the Patriots to cover here. I think that they might have some success on the ground. I do ultimately think that Mac Jones will be able to lead them on a game-winning drive. No or maybe Josh Allen will have a game-winning drive, but I think it's going to be close enough there. And like I said, I think that the physicality of the Patriots will give the Bills a little bit of fits. Mike McDaniel goes back home to play the San Francisco 49ers, coached by Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, McDaniel was the former offensive coordinator there and has coached under Shanahan at multiple different locations. 49ers are four-point favorites here. A lot of similarities between these two teams. I think it's a great spot for the Niners. Obviously, just for one, they – like. Make each each other team kind of sees each scheme in practice, which I think is a big advantage for the Niners and Demeco Ryan's, who's one of the best defensive coordinators in football. I think he's gonna have a good game plan to neutralize this high power Miami attack. And defensively, Miami is not very strong, which I think could prove to be real trouble for all the dynamic playmakers that the San Francisco 49ers have. 
Christian McCaffrey's a little banged up. He did not practice today, so that's definitely one guy to keep an eye on. Even with that being said, I love the Niners here as a four-point favorite. It looks a little bigger than maybe some people would expect, but the Niners are a real good football team. They didn't play great this past week against the Saints, but I think they roll the Dolphins here. They win this game by a touchdown plus. I'll take the Niners. See, like, I want to take the Dolphins in this one, but, I mean, yeah, I just think McDaniel being with the Niners, I think, definitely helps the the Niners. I mean, they can help scheme him, um, game plan for the Niners. I think the Niners are definitely better against the run, and the Dolphins want to pass the ball. That's the only thing, but I just think previous um, Mike McDaniel being with this team I think kind of helps the Niners. So, like, I really want to take the Dolphins. Like, I think the Dolphins, Matt, like, could win this game. But something's just telling me the Niners are going to win this game. And, yeah, I'll take them to cover minus four. But I think this should be a fun game. But, like, I want to take Miami, but something's telling me to take San Francisco. So I'm going to take the Niners and cover, and for them to cover the spread. Yeah, I mean, this is an awesome week of football. This game should be awesome on Sunday. We mentioned earlier in the podcast the Jets playing Minnesota should be a real good one. The Giants playing Washington. And then another great game, Core, the Kansas City Chiefs, a rematch of the AFC Championship last year, traveled to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. The Chiefs are two-point favorites here. The Bengals have been playing some good football court, but there's revenge on Patrick Mahomes' mind, if you ask me, going into this one after what happened in that AFC Championship. I'll take the Chiefs minus two here. I'll be short and sweet. The Bengals a couple weeks ago gave up like 30 points to the Steelers. They played a lot better this past week against the Titans on defense, but that was in large part because they did a great job of shutting down Derrick Henry. The Chiefs, I think, like I said, I think this is just a revenge spot for the Chiefs, and that's what I'll go with there. I'm not saying, and I, again, they're the best team in football right now, and I think they're going to continue to prove it. They play up to competition, and they're going to come out with a win in Cincinnati. Mm. I mean, it's clear Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco is the RB1 in Kansas City now, and I mean, I don't think that really matters. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I hate to agree with you, but I kind of love the Chiefs in this spot. I mean, minus two, I think it started at more than this, but I mean, um. The Bengals should be getting back Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase, but I don't think it really matters. I think Patrick Mahomes goes into Cincinnati, gets this win. I mean, covers minus two. And, yeah, I think they get a little bit of revenge, even though it's not going to make up for, for them losing last year. But, yeah, I think they go in and, and get and win this game for sure. All right. With that being said, that's going to be it for today's episode. Core, anything you want to add? I mean, yeah, some good matchups this weekend. I mean, this game, the last game we talked about, um, yeah, Niners-Dolphins, even Commanders-Giants, Patriots-Bills, Jets-Vikings. Um, yeah, a lot of good good matchups this week. Deshaun Watson back. So it should be a fun week of football and definitely looking forward to it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely a really good week 13 regular season slate for sure all over the board. I think the only bad spot is – I want to say the Sunday night football games like the Cowboys and the Colts. Like that's uh-huh. kind of that's kind of tough. I can't think off the top of my head. I will find the Monday night football game before I leave us off with Saints our exit. Bucks is it? Saints Bucks. So that that's always a good regular season football game. So yeah. we got we got. I mean, you look across the slate. There aren't really a lot of ugly games. The Titans play the Eagles this week. That's another really good one that we almost ended up picking. But with that being said, buckle up. 
everybody. It's going to be an awesome week of football. Check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore. Take care. Have a good one.